All right, welcome to episode 29 of the Breaking Balls podcast. In spite of my co-host trying to replace me last night, like Tony Stewart did to Cole Custer and SHR, there will be no Ryan Priest on this episode, Bob. This is as usual. Strictly business, okay? We've got plenty of animosity building up. Titans-Eagles this weekend, NFL Week 13, we got college football in the conference championships, and over in Qatar in the Middle East, they say it's coming home. I disagree. Working. Flags in the air. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. All right, everybody. Episode 29, I believe, Adam. We made it. We made it this far, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to introduce everybody to our newest podcast guest, Kanye West. Uh, never mind, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We're not going to be on the road, it's the only time we'll mention it. Um, Adam, it's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, Bob. I'm glad to see that neither one of us have been kicked out of the internet for any reason whatsoever. Um, you know, it gets dangerous out there. Um yeah, it's a good thing. Hey, we both avoided info wars for one more week, and for that, I thank you. Simulation spins on yet again, and I just uh, my head can't stay on straight enough. I, we're, we're holding on by a thread, Ed. But anyway, I digress. Breaking balls is here. It's a little bit of sanity in my world of chaos, and I'm ready to dive in. Yep, we've uh, you know, Bob, you've had a pretty interesting last 24 hours. Um, Yes, you did try to replace me with Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush. I mean, all sorts of guys that could have been sitting in the seat today. But you're looking at my big Italian Roman nose once again across from you here in the Zoom chat. Bob, tell me about your evening yesterday. Seems like you had a good one. You know, Adam, first of all, nobody could ever replace that beautiful Italian heritage that uh, you bring to the table here my friend uh let me tell you what that's irreplaceable and uh you know i i talked to daniel suarez last night we were at the the uh, barstool nascar uh i guess they call it the checker flag celebration not really sure um they had all i think 15 of the 16 playoff drivers kind of do panel sessions with some of the barstool people it was really cool kind of an intimate event over at jason aldean's probably i'd say about 150 200 people in there mixed in with all the playoff drivers it was pretty cool um but I got to talk to Dale Suarez, and I said, hey, you want to come on the podcast? you want to maybe replace my uh, California friend? He said, no, no, I, I'm strictly I'm strictly, strictly a doorbop or clear guy. So hate to hear that. But, um, no, got to got to bump some elbows with some of the guys. Got to see Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. Got to got to speak with him for a couple of minutes. It was a school night, Adam. Definitely definitely surreal for you know someone like us. who We, we talk about it all the time. We talk about them like they're not real people. They're normal dudes. Kyle Larson was getting shots next to me. Smart guy getting the whiskey this weekend. Yeah, good on him, man. I mean, it was very cool. Every, it was so exciting to kind of be there secondhand through you, obviously. Bob and I talk a lot throughout the week. And just to get a text from him every 20 minutes of, oh, dude, you'll never guess who I just talked to or you'll never guess who I bumped elbows with. And obviously, like you said, Larson buying drinks, stuff like that. It, it, it just seems like a really cool event, something that the sport really needs more of. So it's good to see that the drivers are open to stuff like that and to kind of, you know, like you said, intimate setting, 150 to 200 people. And people, you know, the fans walked away from that event thinking they had an experience that was unique. It was something that they wouldn't get from every other sport. And 
that's the kind of stuff NASCAR needs to grow and con- to continue to grow. And Nashville's a good market for it. So I'm glad to see that they kind of hit the ball out of the park with the event there. We'll say, though, you know, was lacking the Broadway burnouts this this year. I know that they, you know, the new car, there was some construction on Broadway. It just probably logistically wasn't feasible. Uh, but with Champions Week in Nashville, you know, it should be a big deal for the city. It should be a big deal for people to come to the, the event this week. And you've got a closed-off award show. Uh, you know, it's going to be taped late on Peacock, I think, Saturday night. Uh, you know, you had the event with, you know, Barstool at Aldean's. But, you know, only for that select few of people. I came home. I went just because I was coming home from work and it was on my way, Adam. I mean, very convenient. Not going to lie. I'm not going to drive, you know, two, three hours to go to that. And so, you know, for NASCAR, great idea. But they've got to make it to where, you know, not just people that are happen to be in the area and are NASCAR fans. they got to make it to where it's inclusive for a lot of people to say, hey, I want to come see that. The burnouts on Broadway is a great start. They've got to build on Champions Week, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you're saying, I think Nashville, Tennessee is one of those places, fastest, one of the faster-growing markets in the United States right now, period, and just a tourism attraction in the United States. It's one of those hot cities right now that a lot of people want to visit. So you've already got that going for you. Why not make yourself more accessible with events like this and convince a NASCAR fan to take the trip and take the drive, take the flight even to go out there? I just think it, they have nothing to lose with events like this and everything to gain. So I hope they keep doing things like this because it seems anytime you can get these drivers, personalities, things like that. I mean, even on Twitter today, I mean, it was funny to see Alex Bowman talking about how the event was at the week after Thanksgiving. So his suit didn't fit right and he forgot socks. I mean, it was relatable. It was hilarious. I saw myself in Alex Bowman in that moment, which is a weird thing for me to say, especially for some of the things I've had to say about Alex Bowman on this podcast. But it makes him relatable and it's fun and we get to see his personality. And I I really enjoy when NASCAR does things like this, Bob. No, And, you know, I got to mention one line from the panel. It was Kyle Busch. Uh, next to Kyle, or Tyler Reddick, by the way, whoever planned that was great. And then they had Kevin Harvick and Austin Dillon. So RCR guys, three of the four had driven for RCR at one point. And then um, it just, it was a great dynamic there. Um, and then they had Kyle Busch talking about the hunting trip that, you know, Austin Dillon had kind of offered all four of the guys. Were saying, hey, Kyle Busch hunts, what the hell? He goes, yeah, I'll shoot anything, man. I don't care. I, you know, what are you hunting? He goes, whatever the bullet hits. Thought that was the best line of the night. That was so Kyle Bush, it hurts. What what do you hunt, Kyle? I don't know. I aim and whatever the bullet hits. That's yeah, that's I, rowdy. That, yeah, that's rowdy Bush in a nutshell. I mean, just cool to see that, you know, they kind of let their guard down in a situation like that. And, you know, there were so many stories that you were telling me last night. So I'm, I'm thankful that you were willing to come on and share about it, Bob, because it seemed like a very, very cool event. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if Ross Chastain is going to be coming on the podcast anytime soon, but the seed has been planted, Adam. The seed has been planted. Yep, that watermelon seed, we're going to put it in the ground and hope that it continues to grow as time goes here. And maybe we do get Ross Chastain on this podcast one day. I'm going to keep saying it. We'll keep trying to manifest it. If you have a reason to know Ross Chastain's contact information, go ahead and drop it in our email. You know where to find us. It would be nice. Just saying it would be a helpful tip, helpful hint. But, Bob, I think that's enough NASCAR, especially in the offseason. I think it's time to transition a little bit. Week 13 of the NFL, we just watched a Thursday night football game, the Bills versus the Bill in the state of Massachusetts. Um, Bob, you bet on the worst team. Well, what my co-host has called the worst team in the AFC North this entire year against the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to give you the floor to explain yourself, son. Go right ahead. 
Hi, I'm Bob Perry. I fell for the trap that was the New England Patriots plus three and a half on Thursday night. Uh, no excuses here. Adam Mac Jones is uh, uh, you know, not the answer here. We needed a little zappy love in our lives, and you know, uh, a couple of bills are better than one bill. And uh, you know, at the end of the night, I came away with zero bills. Yeah, I mean, plural bills you have to think for years was less than one bill, but now with these new bills that the bills have brought in, it seems as if the bills are now greater than the one singular bill. So the AFC North is, is a real bill off and you got to check the bill every week. And there's a lot of bills, but Bob, you have no more bills. I have a headache. I'm going to bill you for my uh, doctor bill, doctor bill. So, um, well, I bill you bill. Bill Clinton, Bill Romanowski. Awesome, awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Adam, you watch that game. You can't think that the Patriots have Mac Jones as a long-term solution. If I'm a, if I'm a Patriots fan, uh, you know, I'm praying to God those Tom Brady rumors are true. We're not going to get into that. I don't have the energy for that tonight. That being said, if I was a, if I was a Patriots fan, I would be praying to God that rumor is real. Because Mac Jones just looks like Jared Stidham with a little bit better arm. I mean, let's call it what it is. You're not wrong there, Bob. Uh, verbal beam real quick. Um, the World Cup to America, Tom Brady, it's coming home. That's all. Um, that's really all i got to say about this one, Bob. Um, exactly what kind of everyone thought was going to happen in this game happened. Um, obviously, no over, which makes you sad. But at the same time... Bill's still able to go out, kind of take care of business against the Patriots. It, this, it is weird to me. It, I don't care how good the Bills are on paper, anything. It is still weird to me every single time I see the Bills beat the Patriots. It makes me uncomfortable. It's kind of everything that my childhood told me would never happen is happening now, and it just shows you times they are changing, Bob. It's strange that, you know, you, you watch Belichick – Get outclassed week week in and week out when he plays the Bills. I mean, you got the playoff game from last year. There was a blowout from uh, 2020 as well. When you look at Belichick's worst losses, most of them are against the Bills historically. For a team that he's owned, I think he's, what, 39-9, and nine, they said on the broadcast. Something something ridiculous like that. I don't know yeah. what the exact number is, but regardless, it was single-digit losses until tonight. I think this might have been 10. He's had this franchise's number, but when they get a hold of him, they make him pay for it. They get their licks in on them. Yeah, 100%. And that's basically what you saw tonight. Offense was humming. Um, defense really was never threatened by the Patriots offense. Obviously, Mac Jones had that quick little dump off on the RPO play to get their seven points. But when your touchdown one of those... was scored by a, a, your special teams gadget guy who you have to throw in on offense on the first drive, your offense needs help, Ad. Yeah, you're probably right. Um do we know who's calling plays for them? Or are we still kind of doing the whole, like, helmet thing with the ball under it at the baseball I, game type of thing? I, we don't know who's I calling think, plays. I think they radio in Kirk Ferentz from Iowa, and they FaceTime him <laughs> in. It seems like just from what I watch, I don't have any sources on the inside here. Um, but just from an outside perspective from someone who's watched football enough, that's Iowa to a T. Bob, we'll leave that game right there. Um but we will be heading into Big Ten country. And, you know, there's a lot of people oh, There's a lot of people that like to say 
that Christmas can be celebrated before Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, after Black Friday, however you want to go ahead and divide it. In my opinion, it is not the holiday season until the Packers and Bears play in December. And that is where I draw my line. This game feels like it's Al Michaels and John Madden calling it. It feels like football. It is winter. Winter is here. Bob, what do you make of this game? You hyped up a game that is a 4-8 and eight Packers against the 3-9 and nine Bears. I, I'm just going to give the analytics part of that. You can give me the history part. That's fine, Ad. I'm just going to let you know that these are two bad football teams right now. The Packers are at least a little fun. You get Justin Fields out there, the Bears can be fun. So, hey, you may get some highlights here. Uh, but as far as long-term plans here, I don't think neither one of these games, or neither one of these teams is going to have this circled as, you know, oh, we got to have this one. Uh, it's a rivalry game, so, you, you know, everyone's going to want this one. But, uh, man, usually you, you, this one matters a little bit more than what it is. I mean, it's the noon game on Fox. feels like it's kind of buried into the schedule. It's kind of sad to see. Well, if you need me, I'll be over here fucking myself because I put a lot of effort into this game, Bob, and you just went ahead and shit on it. But at the same time, if Justin Fields plays, I think this game could be fun. Um, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, with the thumb injury. Um, God knows what we're actually going to get. You're 100% right, Bob. This game kind of sucks. And and there's really no hiding it. But for some reason, it just feels like football. I want to be nostalgic about it. This could be, though, Bob, this very well could be the last time that Aaron Rodgers goes into Chicago and terrorizes the Chicago Bears. So, Bears fans, maybe last time to go, buy a ticket, get your licks in, because God knows where he's going to be. He could be in Argentina on a mountaintop somewhere doing ayahuasca next year. Lord knows where Aaron Rodgers will be. So, at this point, next week. At this point, Lord knows. I mean, Shailene Woodley, where are you? We're not sure. We need someone to keep tabs on Aaron Rodgers, but... Yikes. Not those this, kind of tabs, though. No, not those kind of tabs. But um, should we make a pick in this game? Because I think I'm picking the Packers. I'm going to pick the Bears just because uh, Packers feel like last week was a, a big gut punch to them. And I know that Jordan Love had some spark in the offense, but if you throw Rodgers back out there, I just, I don't know. It feels like the Bears might steal one here. Yeah, I hear you there. Well, let's move on, Bob. We got the Steelers and the Falcons. Speaking of gut punches, obviously the Falcons with a big loss, Kyle Pitts out for the season, going to have knee surgery. I believe he had knee surgery by the time you're listening to this. Um, Kenny Pickett and the Steelers kind of been able to put some things together on offense. Not really, though. These are two teams that... This is kind of like the first one. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do this for you as as a podcast host for the listeners. But this game's kind of a stinker too, Bob. I'm not going to lie. It's a stinker, but this one at least matters in the playoff scheme here a little bit because I hate to tell you, Adam, the NFC South gets a team in regardless, and they get a home playoff game. And everyone's under 500. The Falcons are one game out at five and seven. They need this win bad. You know, the Steelers obviously are building toward the future with Kenny Pickett, George Pickens. Very similar names, by the way. Just noticed that, but I digress. And then you got Pat Fryermuth just to really throw it in there. Pickett, Pickett. Uh, I'm not even going to try and uh, – that's a lot of uh, – yeah. Nope, anyway, too much. Uh, you see, you, you can tell where we're going there if you're a listener, and I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not even going to embarrass myself. So um, you look at this game, the Falcons' defense, I say it every week, it's frisky. Dean Pease has got them boys playing well. Um I see, I see the Falcons winning this one. I do. And I hate picking the Falcons because that's 
never the easiest thing. Even if they win, it's like pulling teeth. But, uh, you know, hungrier dogs are the ones that eat, and the Steelers feel like they're just trying to build, and they'll take moral wins. The Falcons need a win here to really stay in that playoff hunt. You know what? You've been contrary, Mary, for the first two games of this, so I'm just going to pick the Steelers just because I hate you. So that's actually why. I actually hate picking the Steelers. I was going to pick the Falcons, but because you were so contrarian, I'm just going to take the Steelers just because at this point. So that's well, actually. <laughs> you dick. Anyway, um, moving <laughs> on. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got the New York football Jets against the Minnesota Vikings. In what I am dubbing the Brett Favre 2 Bowl, the loser will take custody of Brett Favre and all social media PR baggage that comes with him. Bob, I like the Vikings in this one. I think they're rolling. I think at this point, Kirk Cousins has really found his stride, whatever that stride looks like, whether it's a gritty or who knows. I'm not necessarily sure. But I just think there's too many distractions, too many things going on with this Jets team. I really like the Vikings in this game. Do we do we know who is going to be the quarterback for the Jets? Have they said? I have no idea. And at this point, it's such this game again where it's Mike White, is it? Is it? Is it? Wilson, is it whoever? Is it bad? Is it bad that every time I hear Mike White's name, I just smile? Like I don't know what it is about the guy. I just Mike White, man, what a guy! He's like he's like what everyone thinks about Taylor Heineke. He's like Mike White's like I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy over here, but I just don't wear the Jordans. I guess I don't know. Yeah, for some odd reason, Mike White clearly feels like Walmart to Taylor Heineke's target. You know what I mean? Ooh, that's a good that's that's a good way to put it. Honestly, it, I, it, it's, yeah, it it really does. And for obviously, because Heineke's had a little bit more success, it's one of those things. And you know, then at the other time, you got Mike White. So I I don't know. I don't know what what Mike White's situation is with starting quarterback or with dating moms. But I do know where Zach Wilson stands on that whole thing. So um, I'm gonna say it though. I, I'm gonna pick the Jets this weekend. Just because the really? defense is strong, I think they can force Kirk Cousins into some turnovers. I know it's a noon game, and that's when Kirk is pretty invincible here. Uh, but I don't know. The Jets seem like you know they just they're a hot team when they want to be playing right. And this Vikings team, I know Justin Jefferson is a dog out there, uh, but if they can find a way, you know, Sauce Gardner, pretty darn good player. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. You know, can they shut him down? I- I'm very curious to see. That is the one one-on-one matchup that. I've kind of got circled this week, to be honest with you, Bob, is Sauce Gardner versus Justin Jefferson. I think we're going to see that for years in this league, and it'll be interesting to see kind of the first iteration of it this weekend. So something to keep your eye on, especially at the early slate. Um, Another game moving on, we've got the Cat Bowl. It's the Jaguars and the Lions. Um, The Lions have been able to put some things together, this Jaguars team. Obviously, with a big win against the Ravens last week and the last second touchdown there, they're feeling pretty good. Um, guys really behind Doug Peterson in the media. Don't know if you caught that quote, Bob. Uh, what do you think of this game? <laughs> you know, this is two teams that, you know, you would have looked at at the beginning of the year and said, oh, God, the Jags versus the Lions. Well, that's just a toilet bowl. Why don't we throw that on Thursday night game? Maybe making a color rush. We'll have some fun with it. You know, coming into this, these are two teams that are quietly kind of sneaky right now. Offenses are humming. They've gotten some wins. Not saying the Jaguars are going to catch the Titans in the AFC South because hell hasn't frozen over yet, but you know they're playing well. I, no bones about it. And you look at the Lions, the money lines, as you like to put it. What have they won? Three of four now, I believe. I mean, yeah. And that one loss on- is a close loss to the Bills, who have been great. 
frisky teams on both sides of the, on the field. I mean, I, I think these these teams are going to play each other hard. I don't think it's going to be easy for either offense, which I, contrary to what I said at the beginning, where both on, offenses have been humming, these are defensive-minded coaches, and I think they're going to try and, you know, big dick each other around here and say, oh, I, I'm a better defensive mind. I mean, you get Dan Campbell and Rob Salah together, that's a lot of testosterone in the building. There, Those are dudes that want to shut each other down. Yeah, a 3-0 no, I, football game. No, I think you're 100% right on this one, Bob. And I, I just think <laughs> it's going to be crazy because the matchup that I that I was going to watch in this one is Travis Etienne versus the Detroit Lions defense. I think the Lions have a few more offensive weapons than the Jags, and I think that run game is going to be very important, especially, you know, we've seen Trevor Lawrence not be necessarily what we thought he was going to be in the league to this point. So if they run the ball well, get play action going, I actually don't mind the Jaguars' chances in this game. I know it goes against everything I am to pick against the Money Lions, but here I am. We'll say, hey, you know, Trevor Lawrence hasn't had a great start to his career, but that drive last week against Baltimore, late in the game, 90-plus yard drive, needed six, got it, got the two-point conversion. Those are the kind of drives that, you know, a young quarterback is going to build his confidence on. And I want to see if they can use that moving forward here. Big game for him. Yeah. Do you think Jared Goff, like, looks across the sideline to Trevor Lawrence and it's just kind of like, I was once you, young child. Just kind of like the prodigy who's kind of fallen from grace a little bit. Something to keep an eye on in that game, Bob. I'm just going to say it. But speaking of falls from grace, we have a game that the NFL likely wishes wasn't happening, so they tried to bury it at the early slate here. It is the Texans and the Browns. Bob? Do we finally finally, uh, maybe rub this one out? Maybe kind of get the – Get the get some blood into the area or something, and maybe uh, kind of hash out this issue a little bit. Or what do you think? You know, Adam, I hear that a certain fella's back, and he's going to be wearing a Browns jersey in the Texans field. Deshaun Watson's back. I'm going to let you have this one. Go ahead. Uh, well, um, I think it starts with the fact that we don't. Oh, we're we're just going to say it. we we. The whole Deshaun Watson thing is sick. It's gross. Everything fuck Deshaun about, Watson. Yeah, fuck Deshaun Watson. That's that's one of the more scummy things you can do, considering the fact that just everything about it, the power dynamic, all of it, it's it's garbage. And the fact that for some odd reason the NFL felt that it was only appropriate to spend him eleven games, suspend him eleven games or whatever. It, it, it's just. It, am I surprised? No, because this is the same league that decided that it was necessary to only suspend Ray Rice for two games for what he did initially and only kind of made it or upped it because they kind of got some backlash because of it. And I'm just – this one kills me, Bob. I, I, I'm I'm angry he's playing this early, to be honest with you, if, if you want the truth there. But here we go. If, you, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've said from the beginning of football season we wouldn't touch on it, we wouldn't get too weird and political on it until he got back. There's our official stance. Fuck Deshaun Watson. Wouldn't mind seeing him get absolutely bulldozed into the field a couple of times by Lovey Smith's gritty little Texans team. But I can't wait to see that Texans crowd more than anything. I hope people of Houston, I know I've given you slack before, because our Titans and Texans have some differences. We may have taken your team. This weekend, we are all Texans as Americans. And I hope to God, NRC, NRG, whatever stadium it's called, is the loudest motherfucking stadium on the in the whole world, because I hope Deshaun Watson's life is hell on the field for the next whatever 
weeks, six, seven weeks. I really do. I, I agree with you 100%. I hope that there are the same amount of decibels that are going through NRG Stadium as it is when they actually launch a rocket out of Houston. Because I just, I want the dude booed. I, I just think there's nobody who deserves it more. There's really nothing that I think he can ever say that can kind of bring his reputation back. And honestly, we've wasted our entire time talking about this game, talking about Deshaun Watson. So here we are, Bob. Anyway, where are we going? Where are we going next? Well, we're going to go to the NFC East, the NFC Beast, the NFC Least of the NFC Beast. It's the Commanders versus the Giants. Um, two teams that, if you want my honest opinion, will eventually go ahead and fall towards the bottom of the NFC East. And so begins the fall this week. Bob, what do you make of this game? Uh, I don't know, Ad. I mean... I'm gonna let you again. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna defer to you on this one again. I, I'm curious what okay. your thoughts are. I'm well, very curious I, what your thoughts are here. I, to be honest with you, I think the re- commanders are oh, going in the correct. We almost, so, we, almost, <laughs> we almost got it. We almost got it. That's a lot of years to overcome there. But the command skins will not come out of my mouth incorrectly. I'll tell you that much, Bob. Anyway, I just think that the command skins are going in the right direction. I think Taylor Heineke's got the locker room behind him, which Carson Wentz really never had. Um, I think there's something that Carson Wentz, there's something about Carson Wentz that doesn't bode confidence, and I'm not necessarily sure what it is, but um, I just think Heineke's got the locker room. They're going in the right direction, at least the defense is playing well. And on the other sideline, I mean, Brian Dable really had the guys going at the beginning of the year. This Giants team was playing incredibly hard, and for whatever reason, they've kind of lost that mojo over these past few weeks. So I like the commanders in this one over the Giants. You look at the quarterback play, Tabor Heineke's playing so much better than Daniel Jones is currently. I, I'm remiss to say that I'm going to pick the hot quarterback here and the hot team and, you know, the command skins, as you call them. They seem like the trendy pick right now. I'm not going to go against that. I'm going to pick them as well. Yeah, it, it just makes a little bit too much sense for me there, Bob. Um, glad to know that you think that Taylor Heineke is hotter than Danny Dimes. Just you were on the record. Meow. Me, yeah. Speaking of a uh, little bit of meow, Sierra's husband will be playing against the Baltimore Ravens in in Baltimore. Um, this is a really long flight, so wondering what Russ's stretch routine and everything looked like. This could not be going worse for the Denver Broncos, Bob. I know we say it week after week, but this could not be worse. I saw that, uh, what was it, half the team showed up to his birthday party? Uh, you know, every week. I'll tell you what? I'll tell you what that's week, a man. reason. That's a reason for Kevin Costner not to draft you number one overall on draft day. Not all of his teammates showed up to his birthday party, Bob. It's a bad sign. I've tried to block out that movie as much as possible, but good, 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 good. Adam, I mean, it seems like every week there's a new thing with the Broncos and Russell Wilson. I mean, it just feels like they're kind of a soap opera, to be honest with you. All those draft capital they gave up, they put all this money into them with the extension, and it's been a train wreck. I mean, I don't think anybody in Denver expected it to be this bad, even if it was going to you know, have some growing pains to start. I mean, this is a disaster, dude. Uh, even if they win this game, it's a Band-Aid on a bullet hole, in my opinion. I just don't know what the long-term fix is outright 
other than just brain brainwashing Russell Wilson into saying, hey, 2013 Russell Wilson, you're back. Dump Sierra. Get back to being a fucking mobile quarterback or something. I don't know, but just whatever is working there, I, I think Hackett is a first-year coach, so you know it's easy to blame him. And obviously, I think there's a lot that you know, can be changed there, but again, it's a first-year coach. You know there's going to be growing pains when you signed him. I, I don't know... You know, how you can just come out and say, oh, well, this is all the coach. When you have a, a veteran quarterback that's getting paid all this money and the offense is what's really the issue. I mean, they're, they're what, 9-1 and one if they score 18 points? That's not Nathaniel Hackett's fault. No, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, Bob, it was the wise philosopher Taylor Swift who once said that Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. And like you said, there's really not going to be much that happens if the Broncos do win this game. That being said, if there's a team that needs a Band-Aid right now, it's the Ravens who have probably been thinking about their fourth quarter performance against the Jaguars all week. Um, I think they kind of carry some of that animosity into this game and they just kind of handle a struggling Broncos team. I think the rich get richer and the poor get poorer here, Bob. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I will say that the Broncos rush defense is very, very good, very underrated. And the Ravens obviously have a not so great, I guess. I'm trying to be nice here. An abysmal passing attack with Lamar Jackson in their receiving core. I mean, outside Mark Andrews, it's very, very underwhelming. Uh, you know, if they can really bottle that rushing attack, wouldn't be shocked if the Broncos hung around. All right. You know, Bob, let's move on to the next game here. You know, every week we come on this podcast and we say good things about Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is going home this week. He's going to play the 49ers. And before we even get into the game, Bob, the fact that he was willing to spend the time to go through all of last year's Miami Dolphins film to find 700 good things that Tua has done is remarkable. It says everything you need to know about him as a head coach. It says everything you need to know about the early success. I, I just Let's talk about it, Bob. It, it, it is crazy to me how relatable this dude is and how great of a head coach and how great of a hire he's turned out to be. And we're not even done with the season yet. No, it's impressive. It really is. I mean – you're going to get to see the maestro versus – the, was it the the master versus the apprentice here with yes. uh, McDaniels versus uh, – um, I'm Shanahan. Shanahan. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, we forgot the master. See... We, love, we love the apprentice so much on this show, we don't even give a shit who the master is anymore. If you know how brainwashed I am in the McDaniels clan, that's how, that's how brainwashed I am. I forgot who taught the man. Doesn't um, even so remember. Folks, you know, I don't think the Dolphins win this game, though, Ad, just because, you know, they know that offensive playbook by heart. I mean, they know all the tells. They know that guy. Obviously, he's probably throwing some more wrinkles in with full control here. Uh, but, you know, you got to give the upper hand to the master here. And unfortunately, with the Niners rolling the way they are, they're running the ball well. Jimmy G's kind of just, you know, making it happen, not losing games for them. And obviously, that defense is a wagon currently, especially in the second half. I mean... Hard to pick against them right now. And even with our darling love, Mr. Shula, young Shula, as you call him, I just think this buzzsaw that is the Niners right now is hard to beat. So I agree with everything you just said, because at the end of the day, on paper, I think the Niners are the better team. They've even got more offensive weapons. And that says a lot because there's not going to be very many football games where the Miami Dolphins are kind of offensively outgunned. But for some reason, I just think that we're going to see the Dolphins play a little bit harder than the Niners in this game. I think this team is going to be fired up. 
They're going to they're going back to San Francisco. They're in Santa Clara, wherever the hell they play. I don't even know, but I, I just think that they're going to want to win one for win one for coach here, win one for the old Gipper, as win we say. For the Gipper. Yeah, win one for the Gipper, as we say at the old as us fighting Irish fans say. And I, I just think that. I don't know. I, I, there's a little bit of magic in football. There's a little bit of mystique, Bob, and I think we see a little bit of it shine through this weekend. I think the Dolphins go on the road and take a game from the 49ers. There's always a little bit of magic in McDaniels, Adam. Yeah, always, Bob. Well, um, speaking of a little bit of magic, um, one team has been experiencing magic all year, to be honest with you. They're, it's a team that has outperformed any single expectation we could possibly have. And then there's one team with the biggest Super Bowl hangover we've ever seen. It's the NFC West. It's the Seahawks versus the Rams. It's at 105 Pacific. Bob, we need to bury this game somehow. You know, I if you had told me when we started this season here, Ad, you know, this is December 4th. You know, Smith is a dark horse still in the MVP conversation. The Seahawks are a game out of the division lead and oh by the way the Rams are a, probably one of if not the worst team in football currently well, the Texans are but outside of them I mean honestly the Texans might beat the Rams right now with this roster they have I mean you know, the tax man comes when when you go all in on a Super Bowl and unfortunately for the Rams the tax man is banging down the door because apparently they had a short-term loan and uh you know it, it's just wild to see how quickly the NFL changes the landscape here as far as this game here, I think the Seahawks are just better. I mean, their 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 chemistry's better. Their offense is humming. No Aaron Donald, no Cooper Cup, no Matt Stafford. What what on that Rams team scares you? Allen Robinson. I mean, I just I think that the the Seahawks have more more firepower here, which is crazy to say in December. Yeah, uh, it, it, even even though I knew what you were going to say, and I expected it, I literally prepared for it all day, the fact that the Seahawks are going to have more firepower than the Rams in this game. And even then, Bob, I hear it, and I just can't wrap my mind around it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you would have at least thought that maybe Odell would come back, but no, nothing. They literally got nothing. And they got Bobby Wagner, which, by the way, first time Bobby Wagner's playing Seattle – He's probably thinking, God, what did I do? What oh have I God. done? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, just crazy. It's crazy to see, crazy to really kind of wrap your head around the fact that the Seahawks are the favorite in this game. And it makes me it just, I don't know, man, it makes me kind of uncomfortable to say. But at this point in the season, how could you avoid it? It doesn't make any sense. But here it's we inevitable. Are. It's inevitable. Pete Carroll, the truther, is back. Yep. Well, Bob, we're we're back. We're going to move on to the Chargers and the Raiders. That's you know, Bob, district. I love that. No, yeah. Every now and again, I get on tape delay a little bit, kind of like the NASCAR awards show, which is on Peacock, by the way. Anyway, so anyway, annoying. Whatever. We got the Chargers and the Raiders. It's you know, Bob. I, I was talking to you a little bit about the before the show, but I'm going to come out with the full take here. I truly believe that. At the end of this game, the Chargers should just stay in Las Vegas and the Raiders should just go back home to L.A. And we should just act like this whole thing never happened. I think for whatever reason, the Chargers would be more comfortable in Las Vegas. You know, Brandon Staley loves to gamble. Just seems like, you know, kind of high rolling, exciting. Just seems like it would be a good place for them to be. And 
the Raiders have more of a claim to L.A. than the Chargers ever did. So, at this point, I just wish both teams here would go home. As far as the football game, though, Bob, what do you make of this one? AFC West matchup, these were supposed to be very important when we started talking about football in the preseason. Yeah, this was this was everyone's love, lovely, like, just, you know, poster child, all oh, this gauntlet of a division that... M- MVP has... candidate Derek Carr, by the way, just, just so we're clear, MVP candidate. Weekly reminder from Adam, but... Before you, before we go into the football side, Adam, I actually love that take. By the way, about flipping the franchises, if we could Men in Black style, where we just pull out the little forgetful gun and just you know do the little swap real quick, I think it would work for everyone. I really do. I mean, the Chargers would be perfect for Vegas. You're telling perfect. me those. You're telling me those powder blue uniforms wouldn't look good running around in Vegas. Those would be sweet. You'd see all sorts of them up and down the strip. Got those '70s colors. Chef's kiss, Bob. Chef's and kiss. all that black and silver in the low-income areas in L.A., I mean, it would just be a perfect fit. It would just be absolutely fitting. I'm uh, coming I, home, coming home. Ice Cube, Ice Cube, get the Impala out. We're going to the Coliseum again. This ain't the clash at the Coliseum. This is the Raiders. The but, um, Raiders. Before we get absolutely off the rails even further here, Ada, as far as the game here, I expect a lot of points. It's going to be a, a you know late late afternoon game where you're going to be watching this one. Going, oh my god, it's 34-35. Oh, they just took the lead. It's 41-35. Like it's, I would not oh be shocked. If this is just whoever has the ball last. No, you're so right. For whatever reason, this feels like Derek Carr's going to go out and have that game where he throws like six touchdowns for whatever reason, and Justin MVP Herbert's just going like to match performance. It. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Even a blind nut finds a tree every now and again. So I just think maybe Derek Carr shows his preseason stripes a little bit. That being said, I like the Chargers in this game, even though they are hurt. We've talked about how banged up they are all year, but the the Raiders just they're riding high. I think it's time for somebody to knock them back down to the earth. And I think Chargers the Chargers have a chance to do that this week. I got the Chargers in that one, Bob. I gotcha. I gotcha. I... <sighs> I'm gonna pick the Raiders. I'm how gonna pick the now? Raiders. I... Josh Jacobs oh. is playing like Bo Jackson right now. You know what? When you've got a run game and you've got Devontae Adams, the Raiders have had potential all year. They're just finally kind of playing up to it. And it's just a little too late, but uh, it's still inspiring to see. Yeah, well, it's always good to kind of, you know, go to the football power that is Fresno State when you need some athletes. Am I right? Anyway, um, we're going to move on. Uh, the Chiefs are headed to the sad place that is Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Um Patrick Mahomes is really, really, really good at football, Bob. And I feel like that's just a take that we need to get out on the open because we don't say it nearly enough, but Patrick Mahomes is really good at football. He's really good good at football and so good at football, one of our co-hosts didn't even pick him to make the playoffs this year. Uh, That's how good at football he is. Hi, I'm Adam. How are you? Adam, we have both been full of bad takes in the past. I just, you know, that's one of those that just makes me laugh. And I hear you, but at the end of the day, everybody was talking about the AFC West. I just wanted them to shut up. I just needed it to stop. I have an excuse, but there really There's is so no much excuse. Schedule. I mean, the Chiefs have made it look easy. Some of the games that we thought were going to be hard have turned out to not be. Uh, you know, that Rams game especially last week. On paper, you know, that was going to be a massive matchup. And it turns out it's not so, you know, favorability is also huge for the Chiefs there. But you know, as far as this game here, I mean, can you really pick against Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, this is an AFC Championship rematch last year where the Bengals 
probably got Patrick Mahomes' worst playoff game in his career. Do you really think he's going to play like that again, even if it's in Cincinnati? No, I think this team's going to be fired up. I don't know if Cincinnati can stop Travis Kelsey. Obviously, coming off a big win at Tennessee with no Joe Mixon, no Jamar Chase, you're going to get them back probably, getting some reinforcements. But at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I just – it's one of those things. The Bengals, obviously, they kind of got something going with T. Higgins, man. Who'd have thought? Obviously, you know, a ton of talent there kind of gets overshadowed with Jamar Chase. But good to see T. Higgins have a game, even if it was against your Titans, Bob. But I, I just think there's too many questions on the Bengals' offensive line. There's just no – there's no fluidity there. I even think they're going to struggle with this Chiefs defense. I, I really like the Chiefs in this one. Yep, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I... Just not picking the Bengals here. Nope. Doesn't make any sense, so we're not going to. Well, we finally have reached it, Bob. That's it, right? The game. Nope. The game that I just don't necessarily want to talk about. It's the Sunday night game. I could have swore this was going to be flexed, but for some odd reason, the Dallas Cowboys oh. still run the world. They're still America's team. I thought, I thought it was C- over. I thought nope, we made it. Not quite. It's the Sea Bowl. It's the Colts and the Cowboys in prime time because the NFL hates us. Um, I guess Matt Matt Ryan versus Dak Prescott. I, I I may be getting to better. Well, no, I can't even go to bed early because I got a podcast. I can't. I literally cannot yep. avoid this game. You're going to get live recap from it, Adam. Just even better for you. Uh, this hurts my feelings. Yep. Just think just think how pissed off you're going to be when you watch Jeff Saturday somehow mismanage coaching in the second half when they have a winnable game in Dallas. It's going to be absolutely infuriating. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it sucks because at this point I have to root for the Colts. I, I have to. There, it does see, not make sense for me. For the Cowboys, this is, a, this is strange. I don't like what we're – I don't like I don't this like, game for either nope. of us. Nope, this is weird. Enemies are pointing. A nuke needs to hit. I don't know. Some a meteor in Dallas. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe somehow we could work something out to where like the NFL makes the Cowboys forfeit because of that picture of Jerry Jones. I don't know what we're going to end up doing. Maybe LeBron makes the NFL call off the game or something. Just you know, investigate. I don't know. We need to find some kind of loophole here, Ad. We need to get creative. I, I I am going to do everything I can to not watch this football game on Sunday. And I think that is important to recognize. I love it. I love watching football on Sunday. I love sitting down, hanging out, just shooting the shit, especially the Sunday night football game. But you know what, Bob? This one is going to hurt me. And I I feel like I should let everybody know that I will be podcasting hurt on Sunday night from watching the Colts and the Cowboys. That is all I want. Saturday comes on Sunday night and then the worst opportune time. But anyway, I digress. Yep. Well, um, that's – do we? That's that's it for football. Let's move yeah. on to college. That's yeah, it. let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to college here, Bob. Um, so college football playoffs, um, one through four. I guess. Can I be honest with you? Can we can we talk about this for a second? This is the safe space, as far as I'm concerned. I, I I really don't think teams should be punished for losing their conference championship games. And the fact that if USC is going to go out and lose to Utah, they're going to find a way to put Ohio State in this playoff. Or if TCU loses, they're probably going to find a way to bump Ohio State back into this playoff. 
I don't like it because it feels biased. It feels like they've got – and look at how high they've got Alabama. Did anybody notice that? They're backdooring us with Saban's boys. They've got us there just in case both of these teams lose. They can make an argument. And I don't like it. I just don't like it. Well, I don't, who are you going to put in there, though? Are, are you going to put Tennessee in there? Are you going to put Penn State, Clemson? I mean – but You know who they'll put in there. But – but I know, but you know who they'll put in there. I mean, that's the thing. They'll kick TCU out of this thing completely because they've been waiting for a reason to all year. But how? I'm actually, I, I will actually disagree. I think that TCU is more safe than USC is. Not only really? just because of rankings, just because they've went the regular season undefeated. Yeah. I, USC, if they lose, they can't avenge their only loss, even on a neutral site, you know, against a three-loss Utah team who went to Florida to open the year and lost – at Florida, I'm just saying I don't think that it looks great on USC where TCU made it through the entire conference slate unscathed. But here's what I'll say about TCU, and here's where I think the committee kind of goes off the rails, in my opinion. They like style points, and they look at how you play in games and how you win games, and TCU has not won games in a pretty fashion. They've oftentimes been trailing at halftime and have had to come back, especially in that K-State game. They were down. I thought they were losing the K-State game, and then obviously they got to go back and play them in the conference championship. So that's why I kind of bring this whole thing up. But TCU's had a strong schedule all year. They've played everybody, and a stronger schedule than both Michigan and Ohio State, to be honest with you, and that was – a lot of watching game day last week, so you're welcome. But <laughs> I, I just am at a point where we're going to – I I could see them doing it to this TCU team because of the lack of style points, because of their lack of control in games. I could see them making the argument, and it's ridiculous, and it's sad that that's a leg that they can stand on, but I hope I'm wrong. I'll say that. I really hope I'm wrong and TCU doesn't get screwed here, but I could see TCU getting screwed with the loss, to be honest. Georgia and Michigan, safe completely, I think. doesn't matter what they do. They could walk out, literally take a knee every play, and I think they're okay. Yeah. Adam, I've got a lot to say, but I am curious. Just You touched on the Bama thing, You know them at six, Ohio State at five, Tennessee at seven. There's a conspiracy out there in the state of Tennessee that, you know, oh, they put Bama in front of us. We beat them head-to-head. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Barely. I mean, let's face facts. I mean, that that Tennessee game, that Tennessee-Alabama game, it took every single bit of that home field advantage, every single bit of a team that Tennessee just doesn't have anymore because Hendon Hooker being out, it, they just don't have it. And I think that's what the committee looked at because, it's yeah, I agree. They did beat them head-to-head. But if you're telling me right now looking at that Tennessee roster that it's the exact same roster that beat Alabama, it's just not true. You're lying to yourself because the biggest piece, arguably the biggest piece of that offense is gone. So how do we sit there and wonder back and forth, up and down about how this is happening when I can tell you, your starting quarterback got hurt. I'm sorry. It sucks. But what's the committee going to do? Send Tennessee in to, or put a Tennessee over Alabama and then the off chance that they've got to get in, they're going to get killed. Doesn't make any sense. At least – with you've got Alabama above Tennessee, you've got more talent, you've got a lot more of championship pedigree to bring into the playoff. And I think that's why they're six, to be honest with you, is that the committee is used to seeing Alabama that high and they're creatures of habit. They, they've just like the rest of us. Is Alabama better than Tennessee off the top of your head? Is Alabama better than Tennessee? Yeah. Your gut reaction tells you yes. 
And the committee's going through the same thing. We, Tennessee's had a great year. I'm not going to lie about it. They, they've played their asses off. They've done everything right. It's felt like 98 until Hendon Hooker's legs snapped. And I, it just – let's let's be real here. It's over. The carriage has turned into a pumpkin, Tennessee. You've had a shitty year. It's done. If you guys need this national championship for bust shit that you guys go through every single year. It's done. Cinderella's over. The ball's done. You're back in your fucking pumpkin, and we're going to try and convince ourselves that Josh Heupel isn't a pumpkin with that orange fucking windbreaker he's got on every game. And let me tell you, Tennessee, you're going to feel it next year, and I'm excited for it because all this stuff's going to come back to you. And I, I, I don't care if you beat Bama head-to-head. Search within yourself. Look yourself in the mirror. Ask yourself who the better football team is tonight. Your conscience will tell you who. I promise. All right. Well, I was going to do the rant, but never mind. All right. You can have that. Never mind. All right. Um, yeah, I just was going to say that, that, you know, they beat them head to head, but you lost on the road to South County, gave up 60. You lost to Georgia in a game that wasn't close. Bama lost two games by a combined four points on the road at both two, two top 10 teams. And Bryce Young was banged up at both. You play that game with a healthy Bryce Young on a neutral field, Tennessee gets blown out. Let's call it what it is. But I, I digress. Adam, you, you had the rant. Go ahead. Anyway, where are we going next? Well, I, I don't know. I, it's one of these things that as you, look at the, as you look at the college football landscape, obviously we got the big announcement today that we're finally expanding to 12 teams mm-hmm. in 2024. Um, big news out of my, you know local market is nobody's really sure what's happening to the Rose Bowl, Bob. Oddly enough. The Rose, the playoff committee didn't necessarily want to commit to giving the Rose Bowl a New Year's Day game, which is kind of weird. One of those things that, um, you know, the college football purists will not be happy to hear. But um, it'll be. I'm anxious to see how it continues to go. As a West Coast football fan, I'll stand on my soapbox here. There is something majestic about the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. It, it it's you get the flyover from the from the stealth bomber. You get the San Gabriel Mountains in the background. It just lets you know that even if things aren't okay in your life, for some odd reason, it's it's going to be okay. It's too beautiful in Southern California. Life's going to be all right. And that's what the Rose Bowl means to me. So just try and think about losing that. It, it just... It would be a great mistake, and that is, you know, I've already gotten on my soapbox a couple times this episode. I'm going to get down, Bob, because you deserve some time, and I apologize. That's okay. God damn it, don't take the Rose Bowl from me, or else somebody's going to fucking get it. I'm on the record that the Rose Bowl should not have whatever day they want. But regardless, I I digress. That's the Californians being, you know, entitled like normal. Anyway, um, can we talk about college uh, championship games, though? Uh, Where where are we starting here? Um, We do want to do Pac-12 Friday night, I guess, to do it in order. Yeah, I may as well. Um, Utah versus USC. Um, Everything in my mind tells me USC. My heart tells me Utah. Um. I just don't think that Utah's defense is good enough to beat this USC team twice, to be honest with you. It it hasn't looked good. It's been Ben don't break all year. I think Caleb Williams has a hell of a way of breaking people once he gets down to the red zone. He's got too much talent. So I like SC in this game. What about you, Bob? Yep, same thing. You can't beat a team twice. It's just the same game plan. It, it's not going to be able to replicate it for Utah. And I 
too many too many firepower weapons for USC's offense. Utah can't replicate what they did in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I, I think um, watch for watch for um, Utah's offense in this game because USC's defense is kind of their weak point. So um, just keep an eye on that. I think if Utah has a chance to stay in this game, it's going to be because their offense kind of pulls them in this and it's a little bit of a shootout like it was last time. That being said, it's not at Rice-Eccles, so I, I, it's going to have a tough time taking Utah on that one. So, Bob, what's the next one you want to talk about? Uh, where, where, are we, where are we going here in order, I guess? Um, do we want to uh, go uh, Big Ten, I guess, Big Ten, Illinois, Michigan? Uh, it's not, yeah. In order here, actually. Let's go in order. Let's do Big 12. We'll do Kansas State, T. So we'll stay in order here. Um, I thought you had the schedule up. I'm sorry here. This is not prepared. Uh, Kansas State, TCU, the early game. Um, we've got Deuce Vaughn, obviously. Guy's one of the best running backs in America. If you don't know who he is, watch his highlight tape. He runs that Kansas State offense. Obviously, we had Christian on on Thursday or last week, um, kind of talking about Kansas State and you know Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska transfer. Going to be the toughest game for TCU because they had them down to the wire already. Can they do it again? I don't know. I, I, can they keep the magic for the Horn Frogs? I think these teams that win close, they have that you know killer instinct to kind of find a way. And I think that they've beaten them once. I know we said it with Utah; it's hard to beat a team twice. But with TCU, I just feel like this team's different. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, the first game may have served as more of a wake-up call because, like I mentioned earlier, they were really a danger of losing the first time that they played K-State. Took a big second-half comeback for them to kind of stay in it. But this TCU team's kind of giving me Team of Destiny vibes, Bob. It just feels like they find a way to win close games, and now they're at the part of that season, they're part of their season to where that matters. And that is what you're, you know, that is why... That's why you play the regular season, you to prepare for moments like this in the playoffs and in the conference championships, things like that. And I just think that this team is mature. They're, they've got the leadership, the stability, love their coach. And I just – I like TCU, Bob. I, I don't think they lose to K-State. Nope. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I guess we'll go to the SEC championship next, LSU-Georgia. I mean, you get these teams together. Georgia doesn't have to do anything. Uh, they lose, they're in. They win by 50, they're in. The stadium falls apart on Kirby Smart, and they have to bring up another coach. Georgia's still in. Doesn't matter. The Bulldogs are safe. Yeah, Bulldogs are safe. Um, one of these things where it would, we'll, this will be the great what if of the college football year. What if LSU doesn't lose to Texas A&M? At least makes this game mean a little more of something because would you keep this LSU team out if they beat this Georgia team? But if wishes were fishes, the world would be an ocean, and – here we are, Bob. I, I, I just what am I gonna do? Pick against Georgia? I'm not dumb, so nope. dogs. Nope. I wouldn't let I wouldn't let you I wouldn't let you on the podcast next week if you did. Now nope. Purdue, Michigan, we'll uh, we'll move on. Yeah. Kind of the same thing here. Uh, you know, Michigan, obviously Blake Quorum going down with a season ending injury now. That was announced today. He's gonna be having yeah. surgery. Uh, really tough for them. But I mean that offense looked pretty good even without him fully healthy against Ohio State doesn't really matter again if they win or lose to me it feels like this is one of those where Michigan's in after winning last week at Ohio State and you know if Purdue wins hey big win for the program but playoff picture I think Michigan's safe here yeah you took the words out of my mouth here Bob no matter what Purdue does I mean they're playing for pride so we'll see how that goes but 
I just think Harbaugh's kind of created a bully in this Michigan team, man. They they love to dominate you up front. I don't think Purdue's going to have an answer for it. And then we'll see how they do in the college football playoffs this go-around, Bob, because, boy, oh, boy, is it interesting. Yeah, and then the last game, obviously, Clemson, UNC, the ACC. Uh, Drake May, DJU, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a fun game. I think that the over is definitely a good play here just because, you know, UNC likes to score. Mac Brown's a fun coach, and – more than anything, UNC has not had a normal game, it feels like, this year. Everything's been chaotic. And so, you know, I expect nothing less when it comes to the ACC championship. Yeah, I could definitely see if if it is possible for Clemson to play down and make this game a little bit more interesting. I think Clemson definitely has more talent on the field. I think that much is clear. Obviously, quarterback position is what it is, and UNC's got a real good one. But I, I just think Clemson kind of goes in, big brothers them a little bit at a UNC. Um, great season for the Tar Heels. And obviously, Mac Brown, one of those guys that I, I think I've made it the point on this podcast, should have never let him out of Texas. I think he was the perfect head coach for that job. But regardless, I think um, Dabo and the boys going to take him out this weekend. ACC title again for the Clemson Tigers. Well, Ad, I think that's all the football games that we have to preview this weekend, right? We didn't miss anything, right? Wait a minute. I think we missed something. Didn't we miss something? We I think something. so. I think there's um, the two teams. All episodes. We, if you've made it 57 minutes in and you think these dudes are not going to say anything about the game in Philadelphia, you're out of your goddamn mind, folks. Adam, yes. fuck the Eagles and fuck A.J. Brown. Okay, and I hear you, but what I will say is Jalen Hurts versus Ryan Tannehill. Fair. That's all. That's it. Two that's sneaky it. athletes, two deceptive athletes. Oh, please. Two very mobile quarterbacks. There is nothing deceptive about Jalen Hurts' athleticism, Bobbert, and I think you know that. And the fact that you're even suggesting that these two are in the same offensive realm is insulting. I honestly, if you want my truth about the, my truth about this game, Bob, you're about to watch the Titans get bullied. I'm excited. They're going to get pushed around, bullied. I just think AJ Brown may may fumble once or twice in this game because that's what I'm fucking used to at this point. But I don't yeah, know, Bob. I mean, you tell me. Adam, what, I just will, want, will, I just I just want you to make sure you said that right. I, I heard it right. A Mike Vrabel team is going to get bullied. Okay. Yeah, I just, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, it's fine. It, that's fine. No, but, but what I will say is if I were to be somewhat respectful of the Titans. If. Um, if. 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 I would say that we are going to get one of the better matchups of an interior offensive line with the Eagles and an interior defensive line with the Titans. And it will be a very interesting matchup. That being said, I think the RPO kind of creates a lot of issues for the Titans, and especially in the back half of their defense, they uh, they're struggling. I, the, I, I'm, you know, it's one of those things, Bob. You, we can look at it objectively and say the Titans' DBs aren't necessarily playing where they need to, especially if that team's going to make a deep playoff run. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what what the game plan looks like, how they're going to play it. But I think it's a lot of RPO. I think. Uh, I like the Eagles in this one, Bob. It's going to shock you, but I'm picking the Eagles over the Titans. I am shocked to hear that, Adam. Uh, you talked about bully ball earlier. What the Packers did last week to the Eagles 
you know, running the ball, a lot of A.J. Dillon, a lot of Aaron Jones. They 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 gate they got what what's the word they they oh oh god I'm I'm trying oh, to think I'm of the not, word here I'm not helping you in this segment you can flounder I don't give a shit I was gonna say gauge they gouged them on the ground here um, <laughs> at times and if the Titans can do that with Derrick Henry man you don't want that the Eagles yeah. better hope that they can limit him to getting full speed because if that starts to happen it opens the play action game and you said that with Philadelphia it's the exact same thing with the Titans. Traylon Burks has actually outplayed A.J. Brown since his whole they-can't-get-open tweet. Again, he's rent-free in my head. I'll admit it. I don't care. Uh, but Traylon Burks has outperformed him since that tweet. So I'm very curious to see how the Eagles' secondary, especially Darius Slate, plays against Burks, who's getting more confident, more physical, against an all-pro caliber defensive back like Slay. That's a big test for a young rookie, and I'm really excited to see kind of his first you know real matchup like that. Uh, a lot of good one-on-one matchups here against you know two teams that very much take an identity of you know we're going to hit you in the mouth and when that happens it's going to be a slugfest a lot of running the ball a lot of clock management here adam and at the end of the day the only people that are going to be pissed off i think are fantasy owners yeah and honestly bob this feels like two teams are just going to go out of Lincoln Financial Field and just have a fucking fist fight on the 50-yard line. And Which at the happens end of it, every day in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, at the same time, there luckily there's a jail on site, so they'll be able to take them in very easily, get them all booked. But luckily for me, um, I think Jordan Davis is coming back this week. He has been practicing, so that could help shore up that defensive line. That, Like you said, they did get pushed around a little bit, but – with Ndamukong Sue and Jordan Davis, I'm anxious to see what that rotation looks like. Obviously, Fletcher Cox. You've got a lot of big names in that interior defensive line rotation for the Eagles. So that'll be interesting to watch, especially if he's healthy this week. Um, Bob, I, I guess I'll leave by saying a nice thing about the Tennessee Titans, and it's I love Derrick Henry. So that there, that is my olive branch to you. We yeah, can, okay. We can, I love Derrick Henry, and he runs the ball very hard, and I'm excited to see how it goes. And I, I you know what? I like Dallas Goddard. He's a very fundamentally sound tight end. I, I respect his game, Adam. Uh, I will say this, though, and I can't end it on a happy note. My coach would absolutely beat the shit out of your coach. So, Oh, no. You know, at the end of the day. Sirianni's scrappy, brother. I don't know. He It would take a few. Are you picking against mean, Ohio guy Mike Rabel? I am. Who would cut his dick off for a Super Bowl? I am. I'm picking Italian Nick Sirianni, who would probably take a couple shots to the jaw and be okay. Well, may have to eat some punches, like it's a steak from Pat Sarcino's. It's up to him. I don't know. They may. You never know. You know, hey, those Italians, folks, they're cocky, if nothing else. They'll stick together. But, uh, oh, you fuck know. you. <laughs> it was too easy. It was too easy. No, that's fair. I get It was you. too easy. Do you like, the, you like the stereotypical temper coming right after you said it, too? That was nice. It was, it was on key. You know, Adam is wearing a, a wife beater under that T-shirt. Don't get it twisted, folks. Hey, that's an Italian national team jersey to you, you disrespectful bastard. My culture is not your costume or something along those lines. I'm not sure. Yep. Well, before we get ourselves canceled like Kanye, we're going to go ahead and stop episode 29 of the Breaking Balls podcast. As always, please be a friend and tell a friend about us if you're listening to us because we interviewed Chris Williams. Thank you. We appreciate you for sticking around for another episode. So bring in another friend. Tell your friends about us. We love you. I, I don't have anything to piggyback off that, Adam. Fly Eagles fly right into the ground. Tighten up. 
And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. <laughs> we'll Breaking see balls. You. We'll see you Sunday. Breaking balls forever.